We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Honest, I would put myself in the same category as Dwayne. Now our test is jumped over the scorer's table. Our test is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel.com. It is Wednesday, October 30th. Nick Whalen here. With James Anderson, James, you—it uh, was your suggestion to get to the Lakers right away. Get this out of the way. Um, I promise I won't bring up the Lakers again after this first—I don't know, 45 or so minutes <laughs> that we'll spend on them. Uh, quick 45. Yeah, just a quick 45. The the Lakers logged another victory last night over a really good Memphis team. I think this is another quality win yeah. uh, for the LA Lakers. But please admit that you're at least encouraged by how they've started the season. Um. I mean, my opinion of them has not changed at all, but I wasn't, it's not like I was low. I, I didn't think they were going to be bad. I, I don't know. I thought they were going to win like a little over 50 games. And I think that that seems to be right on track. I, see, I still don't know if they'll get to 50. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I think the win over the Jazz is really the only one that probably means anything so far. And, and Utah certainly hasn't looked great, but you know, they, they lost to the Clippers on opening night in a game that they were competitive for you know, three quarters, but just kind of got outmanned. And then two pretty easy wins over Charlotte and then 
Memphis last night, which which gave the Lakers a little bit of trouble early on. This was close in the first half, and then L.A. went on a 15-1 to run in the third and, and kind of ran away with it. Uh, things toughen up a little bit going forward, but as we've discussed in the past, I mean, this is a team that has its schedule backloaded for national TV purposes. So, you know, you see a lot of the, the lower-level Eastern Conference games happening early on. That's why they played Charlotte already. They have Atlanta coming up. Uh, but the next three are all on the road, Friday in Dallas, Sunday in San Antonio, and then Tuesday in Chicago. Um, I mean, of those teams, none are exactly games that you would flag as, as unwinnable. You know, I, I think Dallas has, has looked good so far. We'll get to them in a little bit. San Antonio, you know, always a tough team. And then Chicago has been a little bit disappointing so far. But um, I guess speaking on the, the LeBron Davis partnership specifically, it, it seems kind of like a redux of the LeBron trying to get Kevin Love going early in games in Cleveland. But instead of Kevin Love, you know, really struggling to do that. Oftentimes Anthony Davis is just kind of, I mean, his usage rate early in that game, I think he took 13 shots in the first quarter. He hasn't been overly efficient, which is a bit of a disappointment fantasy wise, I guess, in terms of field goal percentage, but the aggressiveness has been off the charts. Yeah, I, re- I really don't think you can take anything from the Grizzlies or Hornets games, no. but uh, I, I actually am not worried at all about the Jazz, so I, I think that's a very legitimate win. Um, so, I, I mean, to me, the most the only thing I'm really watching with this Lakers team right now is just how they handle the center rotations and how many minutes Davis gets at center because that's when they – like when if he's willing to play a ton of center, especially sort of in the second half of the season – that's when I think that they could possibly mm-hmm. vault into championship caliber. Uh, but as long as JaVale and Dwight are significantly involved in the rotation, I don't, I don't think they quite have that type of ceiling. So that's, that's kind of what I'm watching. And the fact that there, we're already hearing reports that Davis is opening up to the idea mm-hmm. of playing some center is, is a good sign. I mean, I think if there was still some, you know, vocal pushback on that, uh, they could run into trouble but I think right. as, as long as he's open to playing some center I think it's gonna uh, be a pretty smooth sailing regular season uh don't think they're gonna get like a top yeah. two or three seed but I think that they'll probably be able to avoid drama for the most part Davis's shoulder he left the game last night briefly ended up coming back and I mean we should say he went 40 20 in three quarters um I mean he looked he's obviously a top five player when healthy but they are a team that if either LeBron or Davis do go down for 10 games at any point, they're going to be in real trouble. And we're, we're already seeing that even when one of those guys is off the floor. I mean, we talked about this last week. Like the Some of the rotations or the lineups that they're throwing out there are alarming, I think, to say the least. I mean, there were times last night when Davis was back in the locker room and LeBron was on the bench. It was KCP, JaVale, Quinn Cook, Jared Dudley, Alex Caruso. Like That is that is their bench unit right now. That's not That's not – you know, part of it is Anthony Davis was out of the game. You know, they're going to stagger Davis and LeBron as much as they can to a certain degree, but they also want those guys to be on the floor together a ton. So you, you kind of have to pick one or the other. Kuzma coming back is going to help, but it does still feel to me that, you know, come come playoff time, I mean, I'm with you that they'll be around 50 wins. They should cruise through the regular season as long as they're healthy, but I, I still feel like they're a piece away from from being a, a true threat to to the Clippers. Yeah, I I think uh, they would certainly be underdogs in that matchup. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Kuzma aspect, like if you just ran perfect rotations mm-hmm. with a fully healthy roster, I think that they would be, you know, one of the probably top four teams in terms of winning a title. But 
I just don't know if they will run perfect rotations because, uh, you know, you have Rondo on the roster, you have JaVale and Dwight Howard and KCP on the roster. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you probably wouldn't play any of those guys in a playoff series, but they're you probably have no other going choice. to. <laughs> um, well, your other choice well, no, is someone... they do. they do have other choices. Like, if, if you just I, played yeah. Kuzma, Danny Green, Alex Caruso – uh, Jarrett Dudley, like if if you just had a seven man rotation in a playoff series, I I think they'd be fine. I don't I don't know if Jared Dudley can be your seventh guy though. You he, know, I he mean, makes they, more sense as a seventh guy than any of those other guys I mentioned. Right, I mean, well, that's why I'm saying they need another guy. I don't think you want him. Like he's yeah, sure he's a better option than Javale McGee or, or Dwight Howard or Avery Bradley. Well, then your only way of getting another guy is some team yeah. overvaluing Kyle Kuzma and yes. you being willing to trade Kyle Kuzma. So I, right. I don't know if there's like a 20% chance of that happening, but uh, I mean, they, they just don't have any assets. Right. Maybe, maybe they pull off an Andrew, uh, Andre Iguodala trade. I thought you were going to say Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> pull off. Can, I don't know if that's the right off? word. <laughs> yeah. um, no, we'll see. I mean, I, I think the one thing that they do have working in their favor, like even if they don't make a deal, and like you said, they're given the assets that they threw to New Orleans they're very limited in what they can offer and you know outside of Kyle Kuzma who's you know I would guess teams are pretty split on him at best you know I don't think there's a lot of teams clamoring to get KCP or Rondo or Bradley or any of those guys what the Lakers do have I guess is this mystique that LeBron can just go to another level in the playoffs you know and and we've seen that before I guess but I think depending on that is not necessarily something you want to be doing yeah and I don't think he can go to another level defensively i mean i I think he can go to another level than what he's doing in the regular season because there's just i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know how you could be any worse than that but uh (laughs) i mean well but chase down blocks um but there's also the fact that anthony davis doesn't have he's never had that sort of gets to the conference finals and loses type of like playoff experience Mm -hmm. and he's their best player and so yeah i mean that I definitely wasn't picking them to win the title before the season. I'm not picking them to win it now, but I don't I don't really – they're just not – I don't know. They're not that interesting to me. I think they're a good team that's not going to win the title. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting how slow they're playing too. I mean, not that they have the personnel to be running and gunning, but they're, they're a bottom five team in pace right now. Of the teams that have gotten off to slow starts, which of these is, is the most concerning or which team are you most concerned about? The Pacers, the Kings, the Warriors, the Pels, or the Bulls? Uh definitely concerned about all of them um i kind of think i mean i didn't think the warriors were going to make the playoffs so like i'm not any lower on them necessarily mm-hmm. than i was before the season uh i thought the pacers would get the eight seed i no longer think they're going to make the playoffs so i'm i'm certainly a little bit lower on them uh the kings i thought would be frisky they have not I, been frisky. i know i no longer think they're going to be all that frisky so <laughs> lower on them but and and I didn't have the Bulls making the playoffs either so mm-hmm. but the Pelicans I think are the team where you know it's tough to kind of judge them because of Drew Holiday's injury and Zion's injury and Derek Favors kind of being limited but you know I just think that this season is gone so bad so quickly for the Pels that they're just not even going to be remotely in the in the playoff mm-hmm. uh, mix by you know January, and I I still think Alvin Gentry de- deserves to be mentioned in the first coach oh, fired talk. He's rocketed his way into that conversation. It's it's just, I mean, he 
I, I even, I talked myself into this being a team where, and the, the Zion injury is just so kind of unfortunate. And I, and I think part of why the one thing that might save Alvin Gentry's job is the Zion injury where mm-hmm. they would almost feel bad and feel like it's unfair to be like, well, now you're fired and you never even got to coach the best prospect that you were right. going to get to coach. Well, that's kind of what I said on the, on the radio this morning. You know, they were asking me about the Pels and I, I said like Zion's the rare rookie that really does affect your win loss total at mm-hmm. the end of the year. I mean, I, I don't think this team is going to be a, a 50 win team and all of a sudden they're a 25 win team. I mean, nothing that drastic, but they clearly miss him. I think they miss his finishing Derek favors. You know, they've been hesitant to play him more than 20 or so minutes. And then all of a sudden behind him, you're getting to Jaleel Okafor and Jackson Hayes, who's, you know, really doesn't look like he's quite ready. And they've, they've been hesitant to throw him out. Um, you know, that we've talked about how deep they are, but you take away Drew Holiday and you take away Zion. Those are two pretty huge pieces to be missing. Yeah. And I, I wish that they, because I'm I'm even skeptical that if they had just not been dealing with any injuries that they might be underwhelming right now, just because I'm a little worried about just Elvin Gentry, uh, his willingness to play Okafor and sort of unwillingness to give Derek Favors, you know, a true true starters workload, mm-hmm. really kind of points to his track record of kind of not caring about defense. Really, I mean, like everyone says this about like Mike D'Antoni, but Alvin Gentry's kind of uh, Mike D'Antoni's protege in a sense. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't care about defense at all. And the, the, the fact that any NBA coach would be, uh, and this was before I think Faber's knee started barking, but like just giving Okafor about the same amount of minutes as Derek Faber's is just completely punting uh, defense. And, I'm not convinced that that still wouldn't have been happening if they hadn't had all these injuries. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I told you, I think, was it last week, I said that I thought uh, out of the Pelicans and the Mavs, I thought the Pelicans had the best shot. And then, like, right after the pod, I was like, I regret saying that. I should have <laughs> said the Mavs. Like, for all the people yeah. that thought the Pelicans might be frisky, I, I think it's I know it's early. I think you can completely they're, put a fork in their chances of, of sniffing the playoffs. Okay, they're 0-4, but they're still frisky. There's a difference. The Kings are not frisky. The, fr- the Kings are getting blown out. They're losing by 29 to the Suns. At least, like, New Orleans is scoring. I mean, they've, they've gone 122, 116, 123, 123 these last four games. The problem is they're allowing 130, 123, 126, 134. And I think it, when it really became concerning was the Warriors' loss, which, given the last five years, seems like a crazy thing to say, but... You know, you lose in Toronto in overtime on opening night or whatever. That's forgivable. Dallas looks good, like we just talked about. Another forgivable loss, a game that should probably be 50-50 at that point. And then you lose in Houston. But Golden State comes in on the second night of a back-to-back after getting absolutely spanked by OKC. And you think this is a great chance to pick up a win. You know, Golden State's depleted still. They're without Kevon Looney. And, I mean, the the score was relatively close. It was an 11-point game. But Golden State controlled this. They were up 20-plus for much of the game. And I think that's kind of when the alarm bells sound. And now you got to go play Denver tomorrow night. And, you know, there's there's a very real chance this team starts 0-5. Yeah. Uh, but I don't – I mean, I don't really think that they've been – just from my standpoint, I think them and the Kings are kind of in more of the same boat, I guess, than mm-hmm. you do because, like, the Kings lost to the Blazers, the Jazz, and the Nuggets, all games that they should have lost, and then yeah. they lost in Phoenix to a Phoenix team that seems like it's just going to shoot past everyone's projections. So, yeah. I don't the best think, team in the league. I don't think maybe if you just look at the margin of victory in that Suns game, it looks like a bad loss. But I don't really think they have a, a really bad loss 
on the schedule yet. Uh, they play Charlotte tonight, so obviously that would be a bad loss. If you don't take care of business at home against Charlotte, then then that's yeah, I, big time uh, trouble. But I started to panic a little bit on my Charlotte might be one of the worst teams ever prediction after opening night. But I'm, I'm now I'm convinced no. they're going to start one and zero, and they're going to be like one in twenty one. No, like no, they've been no. god awful since no, then. They're they're as bad as we thought they were. Uh, a lot, honestly, a, a lot of the teams are as bad as we thought they right. were. Right. Well, and a lot of these teams that we're mentioning as disappointments, defense has been the issue. The worst defensive team in the league is Golden State by far. They're mm-hmm. on pace. I mean, it's only been three games, but they're on pace to break the record for the worst defense. Uh, per 100 possessions number two is new orleans number three is charlotte number four is sacramento and number five like the perhaps the most concerning of these defensive wise is indiana i think because the other four teams you can you can see where the <laughs> holes are defensively but indiana was a great defense last year you know you lose two two pieces two key pieces in bogdanovich and young but really only one of those guys i feel like contributes to the defensive end and young bogdanovich is a, an okay defender seemed to play well against against certain guys but I don't think you saw the loss of Bogdanovich and, and thought, how are they going to replace him defensively? Um, so that's kind of been a, a little bit of a, an alarming thing if you're a Pacers fan. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I don't think the Pacers or Warriors make the playoffs. Uh, are you in that same boat now? I was never never high in the Warriors. I kind of saw them as an, an eight seed at best. I it, it does seem to be trending in the direction of you know they'll they'll kind of hang around for a while they'll win certain games here and there and you you're they're never a team that you're going to want to write off because they'll have nights where the, i think they'll look really good such as the other night when draymond has a triple double steph looks like old steph but i think over the course of 82 games they're just going to get worn down and it's going to be really tough um, but the question with indiana is like if they're dropping out who moves up i think i have so little faith in some well, of these other teams at the bottom i've been kind of impressed by the Pistons what or at least what they've done without Blake mm-hmm. uh where you know maybe they're not quite as shallow as I thought coming into the year they've, they've had some you know like Luke Kennard's like this I mean obviously not a team that would even sniff it in the west but in the east you know Derek Rose has been solid Kennard's been solid uh Drummond's been been better than expected and so I mean I, I I think they're probably that team that moves in. Uh certainly not not singing their praises or anything, but I mean I just think by the time Victor Oladipo's ready to come back and this assumes Blake actually can return yeah. in like ten. He's 10 traveling or 20 with days. the team for their two game road trip this week. So it it does sound like he'll be back probably next week. Like I think by the time Victor Oladipo's ready to come back, the Pacers might just be sort of dead in the water I, I mean I just don't know who they're like look at their I to, you talked about their defense I'm just as concerned if not more concerned about their offense because like who is their offensive hub I mean Malcolm I mean, Brogdon, Brogdon Brogdon is just so underqualified to be the man in an offense and that's what he kind of has to be on mm-hmm. this team right now I mean he like I think him and Draymond Green there's kind of a common thread on both those guys where they are awesome sort of fourth offensive pieces on like a good team Mm -hmm. but when Draymond's playing with at most two other good offensive players and sometimes only one other good offensive player then his offensive weaknesses just Mm -hmm. get so much more uh like obvious to you just watch him and you're like oh crap I, I forgot this guy isn't really good at anything to do with scoring the basketball yet he's clearly right. their second best player and then with Malcolm Brogdon you know when the other team is like we have to stop Malcolm Brogdon then he's just how are we going to stop Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> he's just not that good well I mean to be fair to him he's 
he's had a double double in all three games so far he's averaging 22 and 10 you know with a steal and, and almost one block four and a half rebounds like the numbers on brogdon look good uh, but i do think there is something to that where I think in some ways teams are almost willing to let Malcolm Brogdon sure. beat them. Yeah. You know, I mean, in, in Indiana right now, you don't have another guy. You and know, I think you can kind of key on on Brogdon. And I, you... I think it's important to just note too in this offensive environment, whoever the main guy is on an offense is going to put up numbers right. like that. Like you're just not, you're not gonna if you're if you're the lead guy, you're gonna have impressive yes. counting stats. Like look at R.J. Barrett. I yep. mean, there's just we're playing in such a weird offensive environment right now where just. Every team's going to have mm-hmm. at least one guy that's averaging 20-plus, like 24-plus maybe. Yep. I mean, it's just – it's kind of crazy. So it, that's not surprising, but it's just – is it leading to wins? Probably right. not. Yeah, I mean, it, it's – the numbers do kind of belie the record for Indiana. I mean, if you if you told me a week into the season that Brogdon's averaging 22-10, and 10, Sabonis is averaging 21-11, and 11, Miles Turner's averaging 17-8, and eight, um, and, you know, and you're getting, you're getting double-digit points from Warren and Lamb, you'd think things were going pretty well, but – um you know i mean jeremy lamb has not been efficient tj warren has not been efficient i think i think maybe people overlooked that factor it's like these are two guys who have never really been on good teams right they've never been productive for good teams they've just kind of been chuckers and you're replacing two important pieces you know at the forward spot with those two guys and the only one of those five guys that's even average is on defense is miles turner and obviously he's right. way above average but like the I, I think o- brogdon's an average defender at least he's a good <sighs> defender Okay, I'll give him average. I mean, I think he's been an overrated defender his whole career just because he went to Virginia and yeah. like was a <laughs> that, that, that's actually that a great Virginia. point. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess he is their second best defender, mm-hmm. but you don't want him to be your sure. second best defender. Fantasy basketball fans, the NBA regular season has almost arrived. FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball, no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel.com has something for everyone. Tons of different contests to choose from, tons of different formats, and these contests start at just $0.25 per entry. All you have to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. You can play against your friends for bragging rights, or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. That's FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with that first deposit on FanDuel. That'll get you all of our DFS lineup optimizers, premium articles, draft software, much more, everything you need to dominate your NBA leagues this season. Again, just visit FanDuel.com slash RW, FanDuel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. So looking at the East, you have Philly, Toronto, Milwaukee, Miami, Boston. We still feel good about those five as playoff teams. They're, They're the top five teams right now. If you want to throw Detroit in there, that's six. Who are the other two then? Is it Brooklyn and Orlando? I think Brooklyn and Orlando still make it. I mean, I guess I should say, we should mention the Hawks with the Pistons. The yeah. Trey Young injury really, really sucks. Uh, I don't know were... if you saw, though, just before we hopped in here, they're saying he, he should be back next week. Canceled the MRI. Okay, I so mean, that's, that's, great news. that's awesome. That's huge. Uh, you know, maybe then, actually, I'd, maybe you give the edge to the, the Hawks mm-hmm. and, like, I don't know. I, I don't even know if they're going to get to 40 wins. It might not take 40 wins to right. get the eight seed out there, but it's just he's so good. Mm-hmm. Like he might be one of the six or seven best players in the conference. Right. right well, that's already. the thing. You start looking beyond, you know, that that kind of bottom three or four. Let's say it's Detroit, Brooklyn, Orlando. That gives you eight. If the Hawks are nine, the only other team that really looks like it, it could even compete for a playoff spot right now, I think, is Indiana. And that's if they turn things around. And we mm-hmm. just got done saying how bad they've been. Other than that, you're looking at Washington, 
who's terrible. Char- you know, Cleveland, terrible. New York, terrible. Charlotte, terrible. Chicago's kind of been a disaster so far. They they have a couple bad losses. Somehow the Wizards have a positive point def- differential through three games, but uh, I think and that's can, with Bradley Beal really not playing that well. We can we can probably just still assume that they're going to be terrible, but uh, I'm willing to cross off the Wizards. They have yeah. not they have not been as terrible as ever. No, no, that is true. But yeah, it, it does kind of seem like it's going to eventually trickle down to a nine or ten team race, and you know, I think Atlanta, Orlando, Detroit, one of those three teams. Yeah, you know, or Indiana, I guess too, could be thrown yeah. in there. I'm I'm pretty confident that Brooklyn will figure things out. Although the, the more you watch them, it is, it is glaringly a one man show with Kyrie, it's, and then yes. they don't really. Who is their number two guy right now? Levert, I, I guess. Know. Yeah, right. I mean, is it I mean, is your number two guy your backup point guard Spencer Dinwiddie? It, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were they were a tricky team to kind of get a handle on in the. Mm-hmm in terms of just projecting win win loss record on uh, over unders and everything, because on the one hand you have a, a good coach, a good system. Uh, but then you're implementing this player who basically just kind of cancels out whatever system you already had sort of. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's yeah. I mean, maybe they could miss it. I mean, maybe it's, it wouldn't be wouldn't be crazy if they missed yeah. it. Um, I was thinking about this last night, and like we were yet to see Kyrie Irving, you know, as as the undisputed number one guy, like have a successful season. And I, I know he was number one in in Boston the last couple of years, but there was you know incredible infrastructure around him, and you know the way that you know, he was the leading scorer, but you didn't really see him as like the lone wolf for that team. He has no track record of of succeeding in in these times, and I think I guess I I just kind of factored in like, well, you know, the last time he did that was what. 2014 with Cleveland you know he's he's grown since then as a player he's he's certainly gotten better but he hasn't exactly displayed the type of I will drag this team to 45 wins type of traits you know I mean that you know I, I think Chris Paul is somebody early in his career that that kind of had that Kyrie's never it's, really proven it how about this is Trey Young already a better real life player than Kyrie Irving mm, no I don't think so I mean I'm we've seen like close. Three, we've seen like close to two and a half games I mean, Trey Young, but when you watch Trey Young, I get flashbacks of like Steve Nash and Steph Curry, just guys that just Marshawn really, Brooks, really, yeah. really uplift their teammates and just make just terrible teammates look yes. extremely competent. Like he's always just setting guys up in perfect situations. Mm-hmm. Like Kyrie can do that, but it's not like he's always looking to do that. Right. He's often just trying to get ISOs and, and trying to kind of show off yep. his amazing handles and everything and like i i really think trey young's inching towards that you know echelon of point guard where him just being on the court makes his team's offense like a top 10 unit i think i mean i think defensively it's always going to be an issue and that's a big part of it not that Kyrie is an all-world defender by any means but i mean trey young is considerably smaller than Kyrie, and Kyrie's not a big guard um but I, I mean I've been incredibly impressed I mean I, I thought Trey Young was was good in the preseason not great and he's I mean he's come out looking like a different player he's even. so fun to watch yeah he pulls up from so deep and right and his his passing so good I mean he he's made like I think I, I was really confused about the Jabari Parker siding but he's made Jabari Parker okay. look pretty competent at all times. right let's uh let's move on <laughs> that's that's a sign to move to the Western Conference um which of these teams has the best shot at making the postseason Dallas, Minnesota, can't believe I'm asking this, or the Phoenix Suns. Well, I think it's 
it's co- clearly Dallas, but I think the the other two deserve a lot of credit. Uh, you know, I think the it's I'm I'm worried about the Suns. So I think that they. Same. I no, I, I think that they are going to be better from a win loss standpoint during the DeAndre Ayton suspension than they will be after it. And I just wonder what that does. I think that's fair. Like, I don't know. I, I I just think that they it's 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 a much more kind of clear we're just gonna bomb threes yep. type of roster without him. And then when he comes back, I think it just kind of puts a big wrench in all of that. Well, the Timberwolves and the Suns are second and fourth, respectively, in net rating right now, as we expected. Um, <laughs> I, I really think this is if if one of these starts is is fool's gold and one isn't, and you know maybe they both aren't. I think I would pick the Suns. I just I cannot imagine that this is sustainable. Um, but I, I think it is clear that they actually have a direction now. You know, like you said, these last well, few years have just been new coach, new roster. You know, you're kind of subbing guys in all over the place, and now it at least seems like they know what they're doing. I, I don't know that it'll. They're kind of like the opposite of the Warriors where they went from – like last year the Suns were playing a bunch of guys who should never play in the NBA, and now they aren't really anymore. Mm. Like they, It's not like they made – like I don't love the Ricky Rubio's contract or anything like that, but they, they brought in enough competent guys to now yeah. they're playing eight or nine legitimate NBA players right. every night, whereas like the, you know, the Warriors, the reason why they're so bad is they're playing three or four guys who should never play in the yeah. NBA. I mean, the Suns almost have too many guys. I mean, McCall Bridges is, is playing less than 20 minutes a night. Uh, I don't know if you've – have you watched the Suns much at all? No. But Javon Carter is now like a 25 minutes per game player for them, the old – the West Virginia. I, I know who he is. Yeah, well, I, I can never take that for granted. But he's been he's been incredible. Like, Dario Saric has looked solid at least. Frank Kaminsky has been great. Like, the thing is, though, like, the, the players that I'm naming, I just I, – they're not doing that for an 82-game sample. Like, Frank Kaminsky is not going to finish the season averaging 15-8. and eight. No, uh, because he's going to probably get phased out of the rotation when Aiden's right. healthy. But I, I don't – like I said, I don't know that that helps them. Uh, I think that Kaminsky as a stretch five is a, is a nice wrinkle for them. Uh, I think – I actually think Saric is – like he kind of was overrated initially in Philly, and mm-hmm. then I think he almost became underrated this past off season just because it had been so long since he'd done anything mm-hmm. notable. But, I mean, he's like a – a legitimate I don't know if he's a guy you want to have as your starting power forward but he's mm-hmm. a capable starting power forward in the NBA and Ricky Rubio is a capable starting point yeah. guard in the NBA so I, I think that they're gonna blow past their over under I think they're gonna kind of head for sort of a, a last year's Kings type of season where sure. they're not legitimately gonna make like gonna factor into the playoff mix but they're gonna really exceed everyone's expectations if they're just not like a complete dumpster fire that's a huge step up and i, I think th- i think there'll be a little bit lesser version because there were times last year where it looked like the kings might actually make the playoffs I, I don't think we'll ever get to that point with phoenix but they at least won't be that could, team that 10 games in you know they're just going to be at the bottom could we get to that point with the timberwolves though i would like to think so i mean they like i said the win over the heat meant, meant a lot to me i think miami's really good mm-hmm. i think that was a great win and that was without jimmy butler to be fair but still i mean miami didn't seem to really miss him too much before he came back last night they win in Charlotte for their for their second game of the year. That doesn't mean a whole lot. Win in Brooklyn in a game that, if we're being fair, they probably should have lost. If Jared mm-hmm. Allen hits one free throw with basically no time on the clock, they lose that game. But, I mean, they're 3-0. They play at Philly tonight. 
and I, I'm expecting them to probably get smacked around by Philly. Sure. Um, but I, I mean, after that, it's you know at Washington, Milwaukee, Memphis, Golden State, Denver, Detroit, a lot, a lot of winnable games. It's going to be the toughest team in the league versus the softest team in the league. Yeah, right. Tonight. Exactly. That's the thing. Like Tim, Minnesota's three and zero. Towns has looked awesome. I mean, it, I think the argument for Minnesota is maybe Towns is just that guy now. Like he's just so dominant, particularly on the offensive end, that he can carry you. And we haven't really seen that from him yet. But maybe he he goes up that level. But with them, I just apologies to Jake Lehman, but outside of their top three or four, I think they just have a bunch of guys on the bench. Shabazz Napier, well, Jared what, Culver, Jake Lehman, Noah Vonley. Like, I, what they about need, just why not? Why not just say outside of their top? one they just yeah. have a bunch of guys like i don't i mean i think covington's their second best player but maybe we'll say out of their top one and a half players like i still it, like jeff teague I'll, that's that's who i'm counting in is this. he even a top 25 point guard yes. in the league he's a top 25 he a top point 20 guard? point guard he's a top 20 point guard he's somewhere between 15 and 20 all right well i'd say he's a serviceable starting point guard for a team that can compete in the playoffs i'm not i'm not saying he's going to lead them anyway he's i mean is he how much worse is he than eric bledsoe I think when you factor in defense, he's significantly worse. But um, maybe, maybe I'm. I don't under, think the gap maybe I'm huge. underrating. I'd, I'd rather have Bledsoe, but I don't think it's a huge gap. Um, I think that I, I just think the case for them maybe making the playoffs is that Towns could be the best offensive player in the league this year, and if you have the best offensive player in the league, that probably gets you to right. at least forty wins. I mean, so, right now he's thirty-two, thirteen, five, three steals, two blocks through three games. Yeah, so I think it's just he might just be the rare big man in today's game that lifts a team's floor mm-hmm. so high that just having Covingtons and Teagues as the supporting right. guys, um, basically the Bucks model, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like a a, a poor man, a, a homeless man's Bucks right. model, basically. No, I, I think I think Towns that's fair. is like a significantly better offensive player than Giannis is. Towns is shooting. 52% from three on almost 10 attempts per game so far. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, he's been insane. Wiggins is going to have a chance to have an all-time good scoring numbers, bad efficiency season. I mean, he's already done that like four times. But this, mm. I think this is kind of his his masterpiece so yeah, far. Where he like maybe finishes top 10 in points per game and has a... <laughs> he's taking more shots than ever. He's shooting 26% from three on his most attempts by far per game, 5.7 uh, his usage rate so far, almost 26%, which would be his highest in four years. I think everything's kind of coming together. Yeah, it's kind of uh, – he, he's kind of become sort of a forward version of uh, Monte Ellis, kind of, where he's just extremely aggressive yes. and always looking to score. Just always – as soon as he gets the ball, it's just like, how can I score? Right. And, and then eh, not defend. You know? <laughs> he, uh, so his nicknames on Basketball Reference, we know about Maple Jordan, which is an all-time awesome nickname. Yeah, I great. actually kind of liked it when he was like the super prospect. Right. It, it kind of made sense, and now it's just become it's even just better really. as it's gone on. <laughs> it's got even better. The so. other one, this one is also just as insulting. <laughs> Junior Jordan. Junior Jordan. <laughs> uh, the next one is just The Prospect. The That's prospect. capital. Yeah. <laughs> and then Wigs, which you know, makes sense. And this is a new one I have not heard. Mr. Fantastic. This was apparently coined recently. Like, at what point did someone watch him in the last like two years and be like, "This guy is is that like fantastic. a reference to like some sort of comic book character or something?" Like, what's that even mean? I'm not Mr. a comic fantastic. book guy. I've never touched a comic book in my life. Um, oh, I don't know. I googled Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> Mister Fantastic, and the the headline from Bleacher Report says, 
young Andrew Wiggins dubbed himself Mr. Fantastic. So I guess this is a self-given nickname. Yeah. I mean, could you think of a lamer nickname to give yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, would you mind calling me Mr. Fantastic from now on? I'm sure we're his friends just like, uh, yeah, yeah, we can do that, man. All right, let's pause for a moment so I can talk about SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That is why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place. You can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. SeatGeek helps you identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with full confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I just used SeatGeek the other day to go to the Packers game against the Raiders. It was fantastic. The seats were awesome. All I had to do, download the app, scanned it. I was in. It was super easy. Plenty of great events coming up. Again, not just sports. If you want to go see a comedy show, you want to go see Hamilton. I know that's swinging through just about every city. Use SeatGeek. It's easy. Best of all, our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ROTONBA. That's R-O-T-O-N-B-A. That's promo code ROTONBA for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Okay, let's just run through a few more quick things before we head out. Um, we should probably talk about RJ Barrett, who has been sneakily pretty good for what's for been fantasy. A, for fantasy, what's been a very bad Knicks team, um, playing a ton of minutes. He's kind of one of only like two or three guys on that roster who can be counted on night in and night out for minutes. Unfortunately, the other two are Julius Randle and Marcus Morris, but he's shooting the ball pretty well. Um, rebound, I think he had 15 rebounds the other night. Assist numbers haven't been huge, but... I mean, he's been kind of the guy we expected from a counting stats perspective. I I think I'm a little bit skeptical that the shooting will will maintain in the long term. Only a little bit? I'm a little bit skeptical. So I I think I just vastly underrated Barrett for fantasy this year because I was so caught up in my analysis that he's not a winning player that I sort of overlooked the fact that of all the players on this team, even including Julius Randle – Barrett will have the safest uh, minute role night to night just mm-hmm. because like that he's the future of this team uh, in the sense that there even is one on the roster. Uh, so I think the, the points, the rebounds, the assists are all going to be extremely uh, – they're going to stand out as kind of like rookie of the year caliber points, rebound, assist numbers. Mm-hmm. But he's shooting 44% from the line right now and 47 percent from three so it's a great shooter i i I have a feeling we're gonna see like if i said over under 32 percent from three for andrew for him this year there i I know what you're getting at because there's almost no player ever who's like a great three-point shooter who just sucks at free throws like those two typically go hand in hand or yes you're at least a decent free throw shooter if you're you know there's there's really no precedent for this. I mean, this is. I mean, there there are some weird guys where it's just like, why is he like like Luka Doncic like is yeah. sort I mean, of like, Lonzo. Why is he? Yeah. Why does he only shoot sixty five percent or seventy two percent? Yeah. But you know, this it, is forty four percent. We're not. Right. If RJ if RJ Barrett, I'm more confident that he'll shoot 
better than 32% from three, then I am better than, than he'll like get it up and finish 70% from the line. I don't think he's getting remotely close there. Yeah. Like, that's mean, a bad sign. I just, he's I taken 25 free throws. He hasn't taken seven. I think by the end of the year, his shooting efficiency is going to be horrific. Uh, yes. True shooting percentage specifically because it'll well, factor. I mean, it's already bad. Both of them. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that it's, it's great that he's uh, become this, this, uh, nice fantasy option uh, especially in like points leagues and stuff like that but i don't think we should confuse a guy getting an extremely high usage at like 38 minutes a night mm-hmm. with a guy that is gonna lead the knicks to the promise yeah. line because I, I still don't think that he's really close to that well let's talk uh rookie of the year so i mean zion is obviously at a, a significant disadvantage having missed this much time early on I, I don't think it's over for him i think if he comes back healthy and no, he's I don't either. you know i think they'll be cautious with him but as long as he if he plays 55 games you know i think that might be enough based on how good he's looked but let's say he like he does get hurt again or they're really cautious and he plays you know 45 games and that probably knocks him out who else who's next in line right now i think morant is right up there um i think barrett like you said like barrett playing for the knicks and having the counting stats he's going to be in the discussion whether he should be or not yeah so you know, and Ja Ja has his own issues where I think, you know, him holding up under an eighty-two game schedule. You know, he already dealt with like an ankle thing. Yeah. Uh, I could see him fading in the second half as he just kind of wears down, which is not a knock on him long term. He's just not a big guy at all. Right. Uh, so. I you know I definitely think it's in play that Barrett could could win the award. I don't I don't really think it's in play that he could deserve the award, but I think he could definitely win it. I think uh, Garland oh, is man. Garland's going to be like in the five to six range probably. He hasn't been aggressive enough for me. He's getting thirty plus minutes though. A he is. Lo- he scored twenty nine points in four games or three games. Excuse me. Yeah, but I mean, I think I I think as long as the minutes are there, eventually his numbers will look pretty solid not necessarily I, on an efficiency standpoint but I, I think the argument against him is that Colin Sexton had pretty good numbers just on the surface obviously there are some issues below that but he wasn't even in real consideration last year and like I just I don't think Garland's going to get to like 18 points a game like Sexton did yeah uh that's, that's going to be a terrible team I mean I think Kobe White is is an outlier I, I don't I wouldn't put him as a as a major contender unless he actually grabs that starting job but he's looked awesome off the bench Rui's numbers are going to be good and he's he's a guy that you can virtually lock into a big role the rest of the way as long as he stays healthy yeah I mean I I think you could make a I think at the end of the year you'll be able to make a case for Rui over RJ yeah even if they stay on the same track just because uh I think Rui takes the shots that he's good at making Uh, I I mean Hero obviously deserves mention I think this is one of those years that you know, right now, I guess, uh, based on what we know, I would say Morant probably wins Rookie of the Year, and, and you know, hopefully Zion comes back and, and snatches that. But it, it could be one of those years where like first and second team all rookie are just way, way different than what we would have expected going in. You know, like PJ Washington could be a first team all rookie guy. Please no. <laughs> I'm just, I, it could I also, I, I also think it's. I know he's had a rough start, but I think it's too soon to uh, completely rule out. Nikhil Alexander Walker because yep. as this team kind of falls out of the playoffs, uh, you know you'd you'd expect him to kind of get as much as he can yep. handle. Yeah, yeah. They'll, I mean, they'll probably trade JJ Redick at some point when 
I would hope I so. Mean. Yeah. Uh, how have you have you had a chance to watch Thibel or or Grant Williams yet? Two guys in the twenties. Yeah. No, I like both of them. I think that they are. You know, I I drafted both of them in in some leagues. Yep. I mean, I I think that Thibel is a if there was a defensive defensive rookie of the year award, I think he would mm-hmm. be kind of I would take him over the field at this point. I mean, he's just so right. good defensively. Uh, Grant Williams, I, I really think that there might be a point later in the year where they're finishing five against yep. smaller units is just him at the him at the center. It might spot. not even be that much later in the year. Yeah, I, I mean, mean they've kind of had to go to that with the injuries they've had, and it's it's worked well. I mean, I was watching him against the Knicks. I think that was Saturday. He had he had two blocks in that game, and they were both like monster kind of weak side type of blocks that you just don't see from rookies. And I was so low on him just because you know, we saw him at the combine. He was like six five. He looks mm-hmm. tiny for for what he is, but. I don't know, it's way too early, but it, it does seem like they may have found their yeah. their kind of super light version of Draymond. It was, I, you know, I was low on him too, but then, you know, when I saw their depth chart coming into the year, I just sort of had a, a feeling they might try to get him into a Draymond type of role, yeah. and that could be pretty great for fantasy. And I think that, you know, that's a perfect situation for him to go to. Like if, if Grant Williams had gone to like the Suns or something mm-hmm. or – you know the Kings are. I mean, then then you think differently about him. But the Celtics taking him and just all those minutes available yep. at the the big spots. I think that there's going to be a spot for him. I think it's pretty clear that they don't trust any of their true centers right now either. Like they've basically gone out of their way to like not commit to any of them. Yeah. I, well, the Enos Cantor injury kind of is a issue. I mean, I think I, I still think I still that don't they think would, they loved him either. No. I mean, I think he would get 25 a game, mm-hmm. 25 minutes a game, and I think I think Robert Williams is going to be kind of an 18 minute a game sure. guy. So I, I don't know. I think that they, their rotations are going to be kind of interesting, but um, you know, Cam Reddish has been as bad as expected and uh, Derek Culver has been as bad as expected. So Cam Reddish did have a, a good slam dunk last night though. Oh, I don't know wow. if you saw that he nice. yammed one over John Collins. Okay. Let's finish out with just kind of a revisiting our, a couple of our picks from <coughs> just a week ago, but um how do you feel about MVP? <clears throat> you know, guys you were considering, guys you picked. Um, I mean, Steph Curry still has the second best odds right now at plus 550. I don't love his no, chances. No. Uh, you know, I, I picked Giannis. I still think the Bucks are going to have the best record in the league. Um, I, but I, I think Kawhi Leonard is probably yep. the clear, if not number one, then number two. And so I, I would still probably go Giannis, but I think Kawhi would be my mm-hmm. – the guy I'd have at number two now. Yeah, I think Kawhi is the guy that I really overlooked, and I don't, I don't know why because we've we've talked about like I, well the rest isn't going to be as severe. I don't know why I expected him to like take any step back, and he's I mean, been. I guess I I you know I, I didn't think he would play in seventy games, um, and he's already been announced to be sitting tonight for rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once Paul George is back, they can give him even more nights off. Um, but it, you know if he gets to. If he does, let's just say he gets to seventy games. I definitely think he can win the award. He's not the defensive player he was. Uh, you know, I think his his defensive prime was maybe his last healthy year with the Spurs, and then he dialed it up to that level in the playoffs with the Raptors last year. Mm-hmm. But he's just not that type of uh, defensive player of the year type of candidate that he was. But offensively, he's just reached this this crazy elite level, and that team's probably going to win. 60 games or, or at least over 55 games right. 
is what would be a scenario where Carlton Towns could win MVP? Like, how many wins do the Timberwolves need to get to, and just how insane does his offensive uh, stat line have to be? I mean, I, I almost think that the team wins are going to be more important because you kind of just assume at this point the numbers will be there. It's just yeah. like if, let's say he let's say they win forty five games and get the eight seed, and his numbers are just. I don't think that's enough, sadly, and I don't think their ceiling is much higher, unfortunately, because I think Giannis's numbers are going to end up looking pretty similar. I think James Harden's going to get right, and he's going to have crazy numbers. I think Davis's numbers are going to be nuts. Like at the end of the day, you could probably make the case that Towns' numbers are better than some of those guys across the board, but I don't think the margin will be that massive. And I think the margin in wins could end up being ten plus between the Timberwolves and a team like the Bucks or the Rockets uh, or even the Lakers if things go right. And you know, certainly Kawhi, I think. Kawhi might have the best case just based on the, the floor of that team being so high where if, if Anthony Davis goes down for 15 or 20 games, the Lakers ceiling, you know, decreases dramatically. And I, I don't think LeBron's going to be able to save them from that. No. So, you know, like in that scenario, you can cross off LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, I'm already willing to, to cross off Steph in, in some ways. Like I, th- I think Kawhi has the, the path of least resistance to the MVP. Yeah. Outside of maybe Giannis. Um, I think I, I still think Giannis does just because I, I think like I think at this point Giannis is a better defender than Kawhi and I think that they're gonna win regular season probably sure, yeah. I don't know eight more games nine more games than the than the Clippers I don't yeah most likely I I still I've been hanging on to this but I, I still don't love Milwaukee's supporting cast without Brogdon I mean I think they felt it against Miami the other night like when Giannis is off the court and part of that was he fouled out but they they, they're not super deep for creators that is for sure like when they ask chris middleton and eric bledsoe to be those guys it, it oftentimes does not work out i think they need to well middleton and bledsoe played like crap so far and like i, I just don't think that if if middleton and bledsoe play like this the rest of the season then they're probably not even gonna get the one seed but like i i just don't believe that that's how bad these guys are gonna play I, I and then know. i think you know i mean if if Chris and Bledsoe just played like they did last year, even when Brogdon wasn't on the court, I think the Bucks are fine. I think that like George Hill and the spacing they've got with Wes Matthews and Korver uh, can change a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Giannis could have a better year. But still very concerned about the, them. The Bledsoe issue is a, is a, it's a legitimate issue where I'm not in panic mode yet, but it is like he's. He's had a missed layup that was a total just like a yips type of a missed layup where he was it was an uncontested layup and he just completely yep. didn't even. Well, get he had he got it. blocked by Bam in a huge spot on Saturday. Not necessarily his fault, but there was no awareness there. You know, I, I think he didn't even attempt to to dunk it or avoid the block. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if the Bucks were maybe poking around a little on just you know uh, the teams like say like the magic or something like that like Bledsoe for Evan Fournier like that type of thing like I wouldn't be surprised if they were just poking around just in case mm-hmm. they think it might get to a point where the rest of the league views that contract as a yeah. legitimately bad contract I don't think we're quite there yet especially on a team no, uh, no. that's a borderline playoff team I think he could be a, a big upgrade uh, but you know I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get off of that because yeah. if really the only way I can see Giannis leaving is if like someone like Bledsoe just completely 
kills them in a series right and then he's like i gotta play with this guy for, for a third the next straight year years. well like, that's the thing is like, i think it's framed as this make or break year for the bucks and in some ways maybe that's true but the much bigger issue is you have very limited flexibility going forward it's like if it doesn't work out this year to me that's not the disaster it's not like Giannis is 35 years old and this is his last run the the problem is if it doesn't work this year it's how how do you how do you pitch it to Giannis that it's going to get better in the next three years right which is why I think you you at least start looking yes. at ways to get off of Bledsoe because I don't I think if you get off of him you, we have you have those picks from the Brogdon trade that you can use to go get like mm-hmm. I, I think they if they just give all those picks they got in the Brogdon trade, they could get like a legit difference maker like Gallinari sure. or someone like that. At the I think they line. will. They're they're going to change something at some point. I don't I don't think this is their final roster. And the other thing with, that makes Bledsoe at least easier to trade from Milwaukee's perspective is I think they already trust George Hill more. They're mm-hmm. already closing games with George Hill. They Absolutely. were in the playoffs last year. Like you you kind of already have your de facto real point guard on the roster. Like you know I don't think it would create this massive hole all of a sudden mm-hmm. because. You have George Hill, and if Giannis isn't handling the ball, you're, you're kind of more comfortable with him anyway. So I think if you're a Bucks fan and you hear Bledsoe for Fournier, that's like super uninspiring. But the way that Bledsoe's playing right now, like he's at the level of, of an Evan Fournier who, for a team that needs scoring and just kind of shot creation, like Evan Fournier would be a nice piece. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think Fournier would be an upgrade. I, I Defensively is is the one area where like yep. all these like different scenarios you're like well Bledsoe's better Bledsoe's better like Bledsoe versus Teague well Bledsoe's just yep. a better defender but uh for what the Bucks need from that position they kind of need offense more than they need defense yeah yeah and it's tough I mean the Bucks don't have blue chip trade pieces so like, if you're looking for a trade it's going to be kind of those mid maybe upper mid-level guys at best you know you're not going to be able to go get a Brad Beal or, or even like a Kevin Love who I don't think is a great fit there All right, we'll wrap this up. I'll be back tomorrow with Alex. Um, Talk to you next week, James. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.